It is Thursday, October 26th, 2023, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Timothy Dennis. I'm Kyle Kellams. Today, launching into eSports at MWAC. We're jumping off from the ground, and so everything we're doing, we're starting from square one. Plus, the record-setting post-pandemic rebound for Arkansas tourism. So we went from, in 2019, record jobs numbers to 2020, um, an an industry that was decimated. So coming back and now surpassing those pre-pandemic jobs levels, it's huge for the industry. And recipients of the Creative Exchange Fund grants present their work at the Medium in Springdale. We have given out $103,000 Uh, thanks to the Tyson Family Foundation, so that artists could come in and do these creative projects, most of them uh, being free and open to the public. First, the hour's news from NPR. The Vienna Boys Choir will appear at the Skokus Performing Arts Center in Alma, November 4th at 7 p.m. For more than 500 years, the Vienna Boys Choir has performed classical music such as Mozart and Haydn, as well as folk songs from around the world. Tickets at 479-632-2129. This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, October 26th, 2023. I'm Kyle Kellams. And I'm Timothy Dennis. Ozarks at Large is produced at 91.3 KUAF in Fayetteville, a service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Whether you're listening in Fort Smith, Salem Springs, Poto, Oklahoma, Conway, or any place in between, thank you for being with us on this Thursday. You can always ask your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large to hear our latest show. Later today, the roller coaster ride for Arkansas's hospitality industry in the past five years. From record-setting numbers to the devastating pandemic and subsequent rebound, Katie Beck, CEO of Arkansas Hospitality Association, talks with Roby Brock as part of this week's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report in about 15 minutes. First, it's one of those overlap periods in the collegiate sports landscape. Football entering the second half of the season. Volleyball and soccer nearing the postseason. Basketball just about ready to begin. As Ozarks at Large's Jack Travis reports, Northwest Arkansas Community College is adding to the regional college sports calendar. It's not a secret that college sports are a big deal in Northwest Arkansas. But today, we're taking a trip away from Razorback Stadium, up I-49, to Bentonville's Northwest Arkansas Community College, where officials are building an athletic program from scratch. Their strategy? Introduce accessible sports that don't require a huge investment, like cross-country and video games. The college introduced its first sport, cross-country, back in 2021, and the team is now nearing the end of its third season. Athletic director Brooke Brewer says the team's first two years proved fruitful. Runners secured the regional championship the last two seasons and will head to Mina to try again for a third this weekend. Brewer says the success of the cross-country team, along with Northwest Arkansas's appetite for collegiate sports, opened up the dialogue to add more sports to NWAC's roster. The challenge is finding the right sport for the relatively new athletics program. In many ways, if if you come into an athletic program, usually you know you have a lot, a lot in place already, and you're jumping off from that point. And we're not doing that; we're jumping off from the ground. And so everything we're doing, we're starting from square one. Um, so it's a challenge. It's a 
it's the most fun challenge. I wouldn't want it any other way because it really gives me the ability to work with key players and put our stamp on this and make sure that we do this the way we want to and the way we feel like it's going to best serve students and we're not having to move backwards and undo things to build forward. Brewer herself is new to the NWAC campus. Before starting as athletic director in mid-August, she previously worked at Bentonville West High School, where she coached cheer and dance. She says her experience coaching high school sports gave her a helpful perspective on how to build the new program. She understands what trends are rising and what young athletes are looking for. As NWAC officials debated how to kick off their athletics, Brewer says she wanted to focus on sports that everyone can play so that all students feel welcome to participate. Esports felt like a natural choice. This is truly the most inclusive sport we could possibly offer, you know, because anyone can pick it up. And we've, we've been trying to promote it to students as you can be a very serious gamer um, and be very, very serious and focused on this. And obviously you will find great success with this team. Um, but you could be a casual gamer. You know, you could be somebody who just says, like, I like playing video games and I think they're fun. Competitive gaming, or esports, has become a wildly popular option for athletics at all levels of education. As of last year, over 80 high schools in Arkansas now have esports programs, according to the Arkansas Activities Association. What's more, scholarships.com says more than 30 colleges in the U.S. offer scholarship funding to persuade gamers to play for their institutions. Outside of competition, Video games' general appeal has also exploded. A Pew Research study from 2018 says that 97% of teenage boys and 83% of teenage girls play video games regularly. And the teens aren't alone in their gaming habits. The American Association of Retired People says that over 52 million people over 50 years old consider themselves gamers as well. Brewer says the wide appeal of video games in tandem with their low barrier to entry made esports an easy sell to the college. They were able to get the team off the ground earlier this semester. So right now, um, the, the terminology is a little different in esports world. So um, we play with the NJCAAE, which is National Junior College Athletic Association Esports. So NJCAAE is an offshoot of the NJCAA. That governing body oversees the collegiate-level competition. They also utilize a different set of rules to style their league, unlike traditional athletics, because esports is so unique. At NWAC, the team is playing in Tier 3, which is essentially a club league. So anyone can sign up. Anyone can be a part of it. You can be an alumni. You can be a community member who's invested and wants to be on our teams. You can be an adult ed student. You can be a part-time student. Anyone. I mean, truly anyone can play and be a part of it. Um, and so that's, yeah, it's really cool. And it's helping us build momentum for the program because we're able, it's so inclusive. Brewer says she is hoping to have the team up to tier two, which allows for selective team building and stricter official competition by next semester. She is also working on creating a physical lab for athletes to meet and play in. Right now, Athletes log on and game from their homes, which requires some collaborative thought. It, it, it depends on the game. That's NWAC's esports coach, Carlos Marino. Marino volunteered to coach the team because of his own passion for video games. Like some one-player games, the, the student can, the person could just get on there and log on and just do what they're used to doing. 
Um, but other games like team team games like Overwatch, they they try to set they 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 all have their own systems, but they'll pretty much set up some sort of voice chat where they can get together and say, oh, okay, this is this is our plan for the game, and this is your role, and um, and then they communicate that way uh, through voice chat. Marino says that students are taking the team very seriously despite their lack of shared physical space. The esports team is already at 49 players in total, so Marino splits gamers up into different groups based on which game they prefer, and some of those groups have already started counting wins. Right now, the games played include Super Smash Bros., Rainbow Six Siege, Overwatch, Fortnite, Mario Kart, Madden, FIFA, and Call of Duty. New players arrive almost every day. Overwatch is a team-based first-person shooter, and Marino says they might need to make a second team just to keep up with interest. I get emails from students and from uh, alumni and uh, other people uh, that, that are interested in this, and it's just, it's a lot of organizing, and there's lots of games, so the number one challenge right now is just trying to fill those teams for those games and trying to get all that information out there. Skylar Casados is a second-year student at NWAC studying cybersecurity. He captains the school's Madden team and co-captains the Rainbow Six team. He says he wasn't into competitive gaming when he was younger and didn't find himself into esports until NWAC launched their program earlier this semester. Honestly, I was the kid, type of kid that'd be like, oh, I'm just going to play sports. Like, esports isn't really, like, that big of a gig. And it's not like that great. And then I was like, whoa, this is actually fun. I'm like, I, I got into it and I was like, okay, I know, I, we, this kid, we can do something with this. He says he's noticed how much potential for growth esports has due to video games' rising popularity. Not only are people playing more games, but they're playing games at a competitive level, even if they're not in an officially organized esports league. Casado says the skill of his opponents has been the biggest challenge to overcome. It's just, it's just about dabbling yourself in and get a little bit of experience with all these people because I'm not, I'm not going to lie, these people that you come in to play against, they're actually really good, they're actually really good. They have a lot of talent. He says that competitive gaming reveals opportunities for students to play at a professional level and possibly make careers out of following their passion. There's a lot of profit to be made in professional gaming. Professional Fortnite player Kyle Geistorf has made $3.6 million in prize money from his tournament wins. Casados, of course, is just waiting for the call. I say if it happens, it happens. I, I'm honestly, I love the thing. I'm like, if somebody wants it, if I was the GoPro, I would do it. Brewer says she is working on a five-year study to determine which sports should be added to NWAC's roster and what's the best direction to take the athletic program as a whole. She says her office will work with an outside consultant to consider factors like startup and reoccurring costs and the current climate of high school and collegiate sports. Looking at high schools and seeing how they fit in, and then looking at our region and region two, and then looking at the, we have some really strong neighboring regions of NJCAA to us. So looking into those regions as well, and then looking at the landscape of how does this fit in um, with four-year colleges and universities and kind of looking at that through the lens of, could we be a feeder for programs? Is there, is there a room for that space or do we want to take the opposite approach in some sports of if it's a sport that's not offered at a regional four-year college or university we could become the opportunity for students in that space by offering that program NWAC's cross-country team 
will race at the NJCAA Region 1 Championship this weekend. And the eSports team begins a Madden tournament tomorrow afternoon. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jack Travis. Now from eSports to soccer, the John Brown University soccer teams will wrap up the regular season tonight and Saturday. Both the men's and women's teams are at Texas Wesleyan in Fort Worth tonight, and then host Southwestern AG in Salem Springs Saturday afternoon. The women's team is ranked ninth in the national NAIA poll and enters the last two matches of the regular season with a 12-2-1 record. The Arkansas Razorback soccer team, ranked ninth in the nation, can claim the SEC title outright tonight when it hosts Mississippi State in Fayetteville. Arkansas defeated Mississippi Sunday afternoon to earn at least a share of the league title. That's their fourth in the last five seasons. And the Little Rock Trojans soccer team is already done with the regular season and will open play in the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament tomorrow afternoon against UT Martin. And ahead today on our show, how the second round of Creative Exchange Fund grants to artists in the region taking shape at the Medium in downtown Springdale. You know, one of the things that we shifted this year was we lessened the amount of artists in residence that we have. Um, we had the residents sharing space last time, and um, although that worked out and there didn't seem to be any issues, it did seem to be a bit cramped. So there are things like that to the program that we have modified and adjusted this year, but for the most part, um, it's still the same program. A series of concerts and art showcases is underway, and we'll learn more about them in our second half hour. Hi, it's Steve Inskeep with NPR News, reminding you that radio is a medium that allows for multitasking. While you're getting up in the morning, while you're getting dressed, getting showered, making breakfast, getting off to work or to school, or getting kids where they need to be, we are with you, informing you of the world. Jumpstart your day with Morning Edition from NPR News. Morning edition, tomorrow from 5 to 9 a.m. The Alice L. Walton School of Medicine in Bentonville has reached an accreditation milestone and expanded their leadership team. The Accrediting Authority for Medical Education Programs in the United States officially granted the school candidate status, which was a requirement prior to the graduation of their inaugural class in 2029. The school has also hired general counsel, a chief of staff, and an assistant dean of student affairs. The college hopes to be approved to begin recruiting students by the summer of 2024 and welcome its first class in the fall of 2025. Welcome Health is extending invitations to people who have lost Medicaid health coverage because of a lapse in their paperwork. During the pandemic, clients were not required to renew their paperwork because local DHS offices tried to keep office visits to a minimum. Therefore, renewals were automatic. But this year, the pre-pandemic renewal systems were put back in place, and many families missed their notices of renewal and lost coverage. Monica Fisher-Massey, Executive Director of Welcome Health, says they are partnering with Legal Aid of Arkansas to provide guidance. If a person's Medicaid coverage has changed or been terminated, he or she can go to Legal Aid of Arkansas, which is in the old Washington County Courthouse, and get assistance. The help desk is available every Friday from 9 a.m. until noon, and there's no appointment necessary. So if the Legal Aid of Arkansas uh, has clients who recently lost Medicaid uh, who need help or dental services who need help with medical or dental care, Legal Aid refers them to Welcome Health where they can get the care they need 
without having to be concerned about how they pay for them. She says Welcome Health provides many health and dental services in an effort to assure Northwest Arkansas residents can get the medical attention they need. We want to assure that all folks who live in Northwest Arkansas have access to care they can afford. Even those with um, insurance often cannot go to the doctor because they have co-pays or deductibles they just cannot afford. Inquiries or appointments can be made by calling 444-7548 or by visiting welcomehealthnwa.org. The University of Arkansas is selecting Jeff Edwards as the next dean of the Dale Bumpers College of Agricultural Food and Life Sciences. Edwards is a University of Arkansas professor and director of the Department of Crop, Soil, and Environmental Sciences. The Botanical Garden of the Ozarks has announced a new executive director. Ashley Wardlow will take the role beginning December 18th. Wardlow has previously worked as the interim president and CEO of the Greater Bentonville Area Chamber of Commerce, the executive director of the NWA Tech Summit, and a development officer at Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. In a press release, Wardlow says she's honored to take the helm as executive director and is committed to nurturing the growth of this cherished institution. More than two dozen speakers are scheduled to participate in today's Summit for the Future of National Service, taking place at the Clinton Presidential Center in Little Rock. Former President Clinton will convene the gathering, taking place on the 30th anniversary of the president signing the National and Community Trust Act of 1993. The law established the Corporation for National National and Community Service, and Create AmeriCorps, the federal agency for national service and volunteerism. Jason Isbell and the 400 unit will headline the next edition of Fresh Grass in Bentonville in May. The momentary host of the two-day festival announced artists attached to the event yesterday. The list of performers also includes Trampled by Turtles, Ruthie Brown, and Arkansas. The third Bentonville edition of Fresh Grass is scheduled for May 17th and 18th. And the annual True Lit Festival at the Fayetteville Public Library concludes tonight with an appearance from R.L. Stein, creator of the Goosebumps and Fear Street book series. The Guinness Book of Records lists Stein as the best-selling book series author in the world. He says he gets his book ideas one at a time. I always laugh about these authors, you know, and they give advice and they say, keep a notebook with you, and as soon as you have an idea, write it down. Keep a notebook full of ideas. You don't need a notebook full of ideas. You need one. <laughs> one idea. Then you write it, then you get one more idea. I wouldn't keep a notebook of ideas. More details about his talk can be found at faylib.org. And you can hear his entire interview with us from last week at ozarksatlarge.com. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. I'm Paul Gatling. The latest issue of the magazine is out this week. On the cover, Tara Dreyer and Toby Teeter discuss a University of Arkansas project to establish a biomanufacturing workforce development program. They hope it will attract industry employers to the state. We've also got reporting on the region's largest private schools, public schools, and charter schools. Other stories include outgoing Work Matters founder and CEO David Roth reflecting on the nonprofit's 20th anniversary. Walmart board chairman Greg Pinner is officially in charge of the Denver Broncos. CEI Engineering marking a significant milestone in its history. And Fayetteville-based Ozark Green Roofs lands a big job at the under-construction Alice L. Walton School of Medicine in Bentonville. 
All that and much more are in the latest issue. You can read the digital version for free at nwabusinessjournal.com. There's more news after the break, including an interview with State Hospitality Association Chief Executive Katie Beck. You're listening to the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Live fearless. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com. First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Arkansas's tourism industry continues to show big gains in the first half of 2023, even when compared to a record-setting 2022. The state's 2% tourism tax revenue between January and June was up about 9% to $12.7 million. Employment was up 6.5% in the first half of the year. Arkansas Hospitality Association Chief Executive Katie Beck shared her thoughts recently on the rebound in the tourism industry. This is from a conversation on Sunday on Talk Business and Politics with Roby Brock. The hospitality industry is such an important industry to the state. It's the state's second largest, second to agriculture. And during the pandemic, it was one of the hardest hit. So we went from, in 2019, record jobs numbers to 2020, um, an an industry that was decimated. So coming back and now surpassing those pre-pandemic jobs levels, it's huge for the industry. I think it shows um, our Kansans, I mean, it's, it's the nature of hospitality. It's getting out there. It's going to eat with your friends, celebrating an important occasion, or uh, going to the Buffalo River for a weekend uh, to float, or um, partake in all the recreation there. So it's uh, it's wonderful news. We'll talk about the Buffalo River in a little bit here. Um, when you talk to boots on the ground, mm-hmm. what are you hearing from some of your members in terms of what they're seeing? Because I think nationally we're seeing a picture where more people are getting back to mm-hmm. reinvestment in tourism and travel as well, mm-hmm. the experiences that they want. Yeah, Absolutely. So we've been having a lot of those conversations. In fact, uh, we had our annual convention last month and uh, had a, a session focusing on that experience travel. And there are so many destinations throughout the state from the Washita's and Mina to uh, you've got Origami Saki and the Museum of Discovery. I mean, there's so many great uh, destinations that are are providing that really experienced travel nature of it. But from the boots on the ground aspect, one of the things I I ask every single uh, member that that I speak with every single day and um, a little bit about the association, we're the umbrella organization. We represent travel, tourism, hospitality businesses throughout the state, restaurants and hotels. So I always say the things that bring joy and happiness to people's (laughs) lives. But uh, everything that I hear, I mean, they... 
business is is back and that's an exciting time, but staffing and the workforce uh, challenges are still there. So we are continuing to work for that at the Hospitality Association, whether it's providing trainings or just resources for our members in um, really ramping up those staffing levels to yeah. where they need to be. Uh, I know this from years of covering the tourism business in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. New products, always important. Mm -hmm. I see some things that have come online in recent weeks, like you've got Woka up in, uh, I guess it's really in Oklahoma, but it's it's going to affect northwest Arkansas in a major way, which is this big outdoor oh, yeah. whitewater kind of uh, recreation mm -hmm. area. You've got uh, the Arkansas Museum of Fine Arts that's reopened yes. with all of its uh, different elements there, too. You got the National Cold War Center coming online eventually mm -hmm. up in north um, uh, northeast Arkansas, and then there's other things uh, as well. Sure. How important are, do you see new products, and are there some other things that are potentially in the works? So that's incredibly important, and we've seen just from the pandemic, the industry has changed. Um, the way that uh, these businesses operate every day has changed. So that constant innovation is is very important for the industry, and it's something that's unique within the hospitality world because it, it's an environment where a business can say, you know, we're going to change the way we do things tomorrow. We are going to implement this change, see what works, see what doesn't. So it, it's a it's a really great place to kind of spark that innovation and uh, kind of see where it goes. You've got a governor who is on your side. Yes. Um, governor Sanders has talked about the tourism industry and how important mm -hmm. it is to um, the state of Arkansas. She has said that her goal is to double the size of the tour tourism industry in the next decade. What does that mean to you? I have not been able to pose that question to her yet, but is that doubling in workforce? Is that doubling in outdoor recreation GDP? Is it doubling tax revenue? I, what, what does doubling the tourism economy mean to you? So, and we are so fortunate to have a, a governor that has, has put tourism and hospitality at the forefront. We are excited to be able to work with her office on, on things from the very beginning of her administration to what that looks like in the future. And I think that means everything. It's all encompassing. It is really putting Arkansas on the map as a destination in the Mid-South. It's, it's um, showing the rest of the country what we have to offer. And uh, so that is, it's, it's doubling in, in outdoor recreation, it's doubling in hospitality and tourism, and, and just growing that industry to hopefully make it the largest <laughs> in the state. That is Katie Beck, who appeared on a recent episode of Talk Business and Politics with Roby Brock. Beck is the chief executive of the Arkansas Hospitality Association. You can watch that entire interview over on our sister website at talkbusiness.net. In other news this week, hundreds of small business owners and entrepreneurs are pitching their products at Walmart's Open Call this week in Bentonville. We've got some reporting from Kim Souza on that event, plus a progress report on Walmart's commitment almost 10 years ago to support American manufacturing jobs by buying $250 billion in products grown or made in the U.S., Caitlin Draper of Fayetteville announced this week she is running for Congress. Draper, a 34-year-old Democrat, will vie for the seat occupied by U.S. Representative Steve Womack, a 66-year-old Republican from Rogers who has represented Arkansas's 3rd Congressional District since 2011. And renovations are ongoing at the former Tables and Ale building on North Block Avenue in downtown Fayetteville. Cameron Clark, the building owner, 
said Fayetteville Apparel Company B Unlimited will lease about 2,000 square feet on the building's north side for a new retail location. A new restaurant tenant, which Clark did not disclose, will occupy the building's south side. For all of those stories and more, visit us online at nwabusinessjournal.com, where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's the final Thursday of October, and it's the final time for us to talk about live music in October. Timothy, what you got? We got quite a bit of stuff. Okay. Let's start with tomorrow night. George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville for their happy hour set mm-hmm. is welcoming back the Nace Brothers. Been been coming to Northwest Arkansas for some time. I think you could call them stalwarts. I at think this you point. could, yes. Cover for that show, as it usually is for happy hour at George's, is $8. And again, that starts at 6 o'clock tomorrow night, again at George's in Fayetteville. The late show at George's tomorrow night is the first in a two night residency by the band Papadocio. They're a five-piece band from Asheville. They mix jazz, live tronica, which is like live electronic music, prog rock, and more. That's Asheville, North Carolina. Correct. Yeah. What other Asheville is there? There's an Asheville, Arkansas. Okay. Smaller than Asheville, North Carolina. I believe that. I believe that. Yes. Passes for both Friday and Saturday night are $45. Single show tickets are $25 in advance. Go up to $30 at the door. That gets underway at 9 o'clock tomorrow night again. That's at George's in Fayetteville. And then just so you know, the Saturday night show starts at 8.30. Okay. Moving on. Smoke and Barrel tomorrow night in Fayetteville is going to have the next On the Map show featuring the bands A Giant Dog, an indie rock outfit, and Trouble in the Streets, which mixes world hip-hop, electronic, and R&B. Ooh, yeah, I like the sound of that. be an interesting show. Cover is $12. Should get underway around 9 o'clock. Tomorrow night again, that's at Smoke and Barrel Fayetteville. All right. Moving up to Bentonville tomorrow night, Meteor Guitar Gallery is going to have a hard rock and heavy metal show featuring the band's 90 Pound Wrench and Hollywood Riot. Cover is $10 in advance, goes up to $15 at the door. That starts at 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at the Meteor in downtown Bentonville. Also in Bentonville tomorrow night, mm-hmm. Wilco. Yeah, I know a lot of people going. I wish I were going. Tickets, though, are not really that bad considering it's Wilco. Right. It's at the Momentary, I guess we should say. Tickets are $59. Mm -hmm. Starts at 7.30 tomorrow night. Again, that's at the Momentary in Bentonville. 
Moving on, Parkhouse Kitchen in Salem Springs tomorrow night is going to have the Little Rock-based singer-songwriter Amber Violet in the house. She will also be at 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville Tuesday at 6 p.m. Halloween night. But this show tomorrow night at the Park House starts at 7.30. Again, that's in Salem Springs. Down in Fort Smith tomorrow night, Temple Live is going to have Philip Phillips in the house. He is a pop songwriter. He actually came to fame after he appeared on American Idol some years back. And I will do it for you. Tickets start at $30. That show starts at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at Temple Live in Fort Smith. Still in Fort Smith tomorrow night, Majestic is going to have Rhett Miller in the house. R-H-E-T-T, right? Correct. He is the front man of the Dallas-based alt-country band Old 97s. Yep. Tickets are $15 in advance, $18 at the door. That show starts at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at the Majestic in Fort Smith. Okay, jumping ahead to Saturday. JJ's in Springdale is going to have friends of the show, The Odds, in the house. Ah, yes. That's a big mistake. That's the one we make. That's a big mistake. Seems appropriate for an almost Halloween show. I have a band named yeah, The Odds. I in agree, it. yes. Uh, that show starts at 7 o'clock Saturday. Again, that's at JJ's in Springdale. Back at the momentary in Bentonville Saturday night, Wu Tang Clan is going to be. I on also stage. know a lot of people going to that show. I'm not surprised. I'm a lot not of folks surprised. coming up from Central Arkansas for that show. That's I good. mean, when was the last time Wu Tang Clan performed anywhere near here? I don't think ever. Well, there you go. Right. Probably Kansas City or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Dallas or, yeah. Tickets for that show, a little bit pricier, $89. Starts at 8 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at the Momentary in Bentonville. Moving on, the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs Saturday night is going to have country singer Jordan Shepard on stage. Mm-hmm. But it's just a lie. The show starts at 7 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that is at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. Also in Eureka Springs Saturday night, God Hold Brewing is going to have March to August. Oh, yes. Formerly Route 358. Right. I believe it's also like the zombie... Uh, crawl. The zombie crawl in Eureka Springs this weekend. Mm-hmm. So God Hold Brewing is going to be a zombie shelter during this show. Are they advertising it like that? They are. Oh, cool. All right. That show gets underway at 5 o'clock Saturday evening. Again, that's at Got a Hole Brewing in Eureka Springs. Down in Fort Smith Saturday night, Temple Live is going to have the band Pop Evil on stage. Also good for close to Halloween, right? Exactly. They're a hard rock band originally from Michigan. I'm to pieces. I'm broken. 
Tickets start at $27. Show starts at 7 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at Temple Live in Fort Smith. Okay, moving ahead to Sunday. George's in Fayetteville is going to have a show featuring Magnolia Brown and the Patty Steele Band. Yes, Patty, send me an email letting me know. I'm glad you're bringing that up. Yes. Tickets are $10. That starts at 8 o'clock Sunday evening again. That's at George's in Fayetteville. Then midday Sunday, uh, New Delhi Cafe in Eureka Springs is going to have Modern August on stage for a brunch set. could do March to August, and then the next day do Modern August. Exactly. I like it. That show, Sunday, gets underway at about noon. Again, that's at New Delhi Cafe in Eureka Springs. Still in Eureka Springs, but jumping ahead to Tuesday, Chelsea's for Halloween night oh, yeah. are having uh, fossils of ancient robots in the house. <laughs> They've been around for a yeah, while. Yeah, they have. I like them. If you don't know who they are, they're kind of dark wave and synth pop, really spooky sounding. That show gets underway at 9 o'clock Tuesday night. Again, that's at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. Then moving ahead to next Thursday, a week from today, George's in Fayetteville is going to have the band Pigeons playing ping pong. <laughs> they are a psychedelic funk jam band from Baltimore. Really? Come, yeah. Okay. I don't ever want to go to sleep. I just want to keep on grooving. Covers 29.15 advance goes up to $35 at the door. That show starts at 8.30 next Thursday, again at George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville. 8.30 on a Thursday night. Think I can do that? Uh, 50-50 shot. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's a great lineup. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you. On the next Points of Departure, we re-examine the past. Whether it's the Chinese emperor, Arab sheik, or a feudal lord, or trickle-down economics, it's the feudal system. Those on the bottom are supposed to content themselves with the scraps. Author and social scientist Rihanna Eisler dismantles social constructs to help us find a new path forward. Listen to Points of Departure at KUAF.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm told I'm in the fun room at the Medium in downtown Springdale and prepared. And is it true? Is this that certainly this isn't called the fun room, is it? It's called the gathering room, but it is the most fun room in the Medium. All right. The reason I'm in the gathering room, which is a fun room at the Medium, is because we're going to talk about some performances that are coming up over the next few weeks uh, at the Medium in downtown Springdale. The Creative Exchange Fund artistic series. Before we talk about the performances, Amber, let's talk about the Creative Exchange Fund. Yes. So the Creative Exchange Fund is um, a grant and award uh, program that we have here through the medium that awards artists and creatives to do different projects throughout the building. So there's five different tiers to the Creative Exchange Fund, which we sometimes call CXF. The X is for exchange. 
Um, so within TXF, there's these five opportunities for artists to um, come in and test and try their creative ideas in a way that maybe they're not able to do necessarily in other spaces across Northwest Arkansas. And so uh, this is our second year to run the program. We have given out $103,000 uh, thanks to the Tyson Family Foundation, so that artists could come in and do these creative projects, most of them uh, being free and open to the public. I think I was here right before the first year of the of the the um, grantees turned their art into to something that we could experience. Anything learned in that first year? Certainly. I mean, we're learning something every day. Um, but we, you know, one of the things that we shifted this year was we lessened the amount of artists in residence that we have. Um, we had the residents sharing space last time. And um, although that worked out and there didn't seem to be any issues, it did seem to be a bit cramped. So there are things like that to the program that we have modified and adjusted this year. But for the most part, um, it's still the same program. And um, yeah, we're, we're always quick to um, pivot and learn and adjust what we're doing so that we can better accommodate the artists that are coming in here. We should point out that um, I was late and we didn't get a chance to talk about the backrooms presented by Monster Boy Lives. That was in mid-October. Up next, though, on Wednesday night, November 8th, is the concert in the docuseries screening The Black Legacy Project. We had the originators of The Black Legacy Project on Ozarks at Large a few weeks ago. Uh, this idea that they went to different parts of the country. Local musicians then did originals and new music sort of to talk about, you know, race relations in 2023. Yes, that's correct. And we are fortunate to have been one of the hosts in those uh one of, they, they traveled across the nation and visited seven cities, collected musicians, and did um, community engagement projects in those cities. And in the Ozarks, uh, the medium was the host uh, for the Black Legacy Project. So we've already tangoed with this group once before. And because of that, they learned about the Creative Exchange Fund and applied. And uh, we're thrilled that they received uh, the Producers Award to bring their project here. So on the night of the 8th, they're going to be screening um, about a 30-minute docu-series, kind of telling the story of what they've been working on, as well as a live concert featuring a lot of the musicians. Part of it is a great cover of Jimmy Driftwood's What is the Color of the Soul of a Man? and uh, put a new twist on that, and it's really exciting. And I, I think they're going to do that when they're here. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that you've got insider knowledge that I might not have, but I that's so exciting to hear. Um, this crew is is fantastic to work with, and every time, like, they've, when they were here before, they, they worked with us for a couple of weeks. Um, they're just incredibly professional and friendly, and we love their mission. It's totally radically aligned with who the medium is and, and who we're looking to serve here, too. So uh, we're honored to have them. I hope people are able to come out to that November 8th event. We're going to be talking a lot about music during this conversation in the artistic series. But the next one on, chronologically speaking, is celebrating visual arts, and it's visual art night, as in van. So will this represent a lot of different artists? This will, uh, the van night is uh, our sort of artist reception night for the Spectra series and the artist in residence. Those are two different grants under the Creative Exchange Fund. So the Spectra series is, uh, we have Mark Keith Woods, who is the curator, and he is filling the gallery with artwork. 
And then we have two artists in residence, Maria and Bia, and they will be opening up their studios uh, for the community to come in and see what they've been working on during their residency. So that is the visual art night. It's a it's a all-in-one fantastic artist reception evening. There will be free food and, and refreshments um, and, and lots of art and perusing, and hopefully you'll get to meet some of the creative exchange exchange fund recipients. Late in November, we have two very familiar and, and beloved uh, singer-songwriters, Candy Lee and uh, Ashton Barbary teaming up. Candy's been doing this thing with the Candy songs, songs specifically written for children. What will we expect on the 28th? This is going to be a really fun night. Uh, this is a part of our mixtape music series. These are also recipients of the Creative Exchange Fund, and they, uh, they're going to be doing a lively, uh, a fun concert. Candy Lee is going to be doing um, her um, Backyard Bugs, and that show starts at 5 p.m. on that night. And then uh, after that, Ashton Barbary will take the stage, and she's going to be doing a very special uh, piano piece that she's been working on that's not been seen by anyone yet. Everything that we've mentioned so far, is it free to the public? Uh, except for the Black Legacy yeah. Project. Black Legacy Project will have uh, tickets. But okay. otherwise, yes, the, the van nights, the visual art nights, and the mixtape music series, all of those are free and open to the public. And in mid-December, something called Off the Top, and it's on the spot with Eddie Canyon. Eddie's been part of the KUAF Lunch Hour, a really charismatic sort of rapper, hip-hop artist. Yeah, Eddie Canyon's great. If you've not uh, encountered this beautiful human yet, um, I encourage you to look him up. He has uh, he kind of came onto uh, our radar uh, because he was participating in Ground Waves, which is another program we run through the medium, uh, and that's a free hip hop open mic night. And so Eddie was coming to those. Uh, we began interacting with him then. Uh, he's he's charming and and fantastic and talented. And so he also received a Creative Exchange Fund award, and he is doing. Uh, off the top, and that's December 16th. It's going to be this really exciting uh, hip-hop pop-up experience featuring local producers, pop-up workstations, an open mic night, and a listening party. Eddie has two weeks in the space as a part of his grant, so those that'll be kind of spread out across a, a, few, uh, a few days, but he does have a specific thing happening on December 16th. I'm just curious, do you know what a pop-up workstation is with this? Eddie is looking to work with local producers and musicians, and I think he's trying to offer sort of a mentorship opportunity where you can come in and have access to um, some equipment and, and learn peer-to-peer -peer with, with individuals that he's working with. The events we've talked about take us through the end of 2023. Can we expect an announcement of other events, similar events like this in the spring? Yes, great question. There, there will be a lot more like this. The Mixtape Music Series uh, continues through June of next year, 2024, as well as all of the artists in residence and the visual art nights. So uh, there will be more of those those happening uh, through the through June of 2024. If someone is hearing this and here's the name Teddy Canyon and Candy Lee and Ashton Barbary and thinks, well, maybe maybe I could be someone who in the next round is able to take advantage of this and, and use the medium for my artistic expression. 
What are the dates? Do we know dates that you should be looking out for? We don't know dates just yet, but uh, traditionally we usually open applications around sometime in the summer. Um, This is only our second year to do it, but we really celebrate creative risk-taking. If you need time and money and space and you're a creative person, the Medium and the Creative Exchange Fund are for you. We really want you to look into that. Uh, we, We celebrate all genres, all mediums, and we're really looking for people that, that want to take a risk that, that maybe don't feel like they have space to do that otherwise. So uh, just follow us on Instagram at the medium underscore art to keep up with all of those announcements, or you can visit our website, themedium.art, and sign up for our newsletter or, or learn more about all of our programs there. Along with the application process, there was an opportunity to attend workshops virtually or in person to learn more about how to put together the application. Is that still going to be a case? Yes, absolutely. So we, um, each of the different funds, I know it's a lot of information for people to process. We have an info session where our whole team will be there. We'll walk you through what that specific fund is. And if you qualify, we'll answer questions. And then we also have an application workshop where you can come in and we will help you get pencil to paper and, uh, help you start your application process and feel confident walking into this. So we really want to remove as many barriers as we can. I know that writing grants, especially for artists, is is hard. It's challenging and it's hard to to get your ideas onto paper. And so we really want to work with artists and help them understand that uh, we are a resource to help them get started uh, and and celebrate what they're what they're working on. Amber, thanks for letting us come into the gathering room. It is an absolute pleasure to to have you here today. <laughs> Amber Paradin is artist and community manager at The Medium in downtown Springdale. She spoke with Kyle at the venue earlier this week. And you can see a schedule of all the scheduled events at themedium.art. This is Ozarks at Large. And that is the cover of Jimmy Driftwood's What is the Color of the Soul of Man, as recorded here in the Ozarks for the Black Legacy Project, Volume 1. That CD has been released, and as Amber Perrodin mentioned a few moments ago, the Traveling Music Ensemble will be at the Medium in downtown Springdale on Wednesday, 
November 8th. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, we enter the weekend before Halloween with the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas. Sona is embracing the season with spooky music. We'll talk with the concert's guest conductor. And we get an update from writer Spade Robinson about her grounded horror movie, Late Bloomers. There was a public reading of the script earlier this year. And she'll also explain what grounded horror is. And that's what I love about grounded horror is that um, the world is scary enough without me having to add a ton of elements. You're talking about two black women driving through the American South on this road trip. I'm a black woman. I've driven through the American South by myself. It is absolutely terrifying. Even going to a gas station when the sun is down, I'm taking my life into my own hands. And so I think it's such a commentary on their experience um, just by placing them in the world that we live in every day. That's on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. on 91.3 KUAF and tomorrow night at 7 o'clock on Little Rock Public Radio KUAR. You can also listen on your timeline with the Ozarks at Large podcast available through your preferred podcast platform. Do you have a story to tell? Come by the Listening Lab and share it with us. How does the lab work? It's easy. First, choose your topic and your partner. Two, schedule a time to come by the studio in Fayetteville. Three, come ready to share and to listen. Four, listen to yours and other conversations online at KUAFListeningLab.com. Ozarks at Large is a production of 91.3 KUAF Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Patrick. I like Patrick. I know you do. Over by uh, Crosses and Cones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Madison County. Yeah. Uh, contributors today included Jack Travis, Matthew Moore, Paul Gatling, and Roby Brock. Timothy produced today's program from inside the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Our theme is titled The First Hurrah. It's written and performed by Daryl Sean. All right. A few days away from Halloween, Timothy Dennis. Yes. When was the last time you, you know, dressed donned, up? Yeah, donned a costume for Halloween. <sighs> It was probably about eight or nine years ago. It was here uh, during one of our fundraisers when uh-huh. we still did the fall one in October. And I dressed up as a poor version of Jerry Garcia. I had okay. like a fake wig, fake beard, yeah. tie-dye, yeah. et cetera. This year? No plans. Okay. Uh, I've got family coming in from Oklahoma this weekend. So the weekend, you know, I got you. plans for that are kind of nil. I got you. And then, I mean, Halloween being on a Tuesday night, what can you really do? Well. I mean, there's what you ask, can do and what you should do. Let's ask college students. I think they have a better. I think so. But even in college, that. I didn't really get into Halloween. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, I'm anxious. And unfortunately, the forecast looks like it's going to be nasty on Halloween yeah. night. I don't mind cold on Halloween night, but rain. But I will we'll say I do remember when I was four or five, it actually snowed on Halloween. I remember Halloween when I was doing PA, public address for the Arkansas Razorback soccer team. They didn't have the press box yet and it was outside and it was spitting snow. It didn't – you couldn't say it snowed. Yeah. Uh, I don't like cold weather, especially in <laughs> October. All right. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll be back with you tomorrow from the Carver Center for Public Radio in downtown Fayetteville. I'm Kyle Kellums. I'm Timothy Dennis. The 2023 Northwest Arkansas Hybrid Rural Business Development. The Development Conference is October 27th in Fort Smith. It aims to provide small and emerging business owners with the innovative skills, tools, and contacts needed to create and grow their enterprises and better engage in job creation activities. 
More at 800-482-7641.